Welcome to IMTV. I'm Alan Keyes, and this is Let's Talk America. Well, today is one of our special days of the week. We have John Michael Chambers with us today, and this is absolutely the perfect time to be talking to him because he knows the ins and outs of the Washington Swamp and all of the dead bodies and where they're buried and how they're being dug up. And right now, I think that is the question of the day as we deal with what is the true implication of impeachment which is not that Donald Trump should be removed from office, but there are an awful lot of corrupt people who need to be removed from Washington, D.C. Amen. We'll be talking about that right after we get back from this message. Second week of November, I was privileged to participate in the Red Pill Conference in Mesquite, Nevada. It was sponsored by G.W. Griffin's group, and it brought together a whole array of activists and conservatives thinking through how we can wake people up to what's really going on in this country. There was a whole series of presentations uh, that addressed political issues, issues of health and other things that are being done uh, to take away our understanding of what's really being done to transform this country into a totalitarian tyranny. If you understand the danger, then you'll want to be watching these DVDs. We're going to put them together in a series. I'll be introducing the different parts of the series, and they'll all be available at imtv.us, the exclusive distributors of this series of views of the Red Pill Conference. And when your children and grandchildren ask you, what were you doing when the global governance was being introduced to America and the world? What will your answer be? Freedom. It's up to us. We are free. We are America. We are free. We are America. Welcome back. I'm here with my good friend and the inspiration for IMTV, Bob Sisson. Hi, Bob. Hey, how you doing? I'm Hello. doing well, and I'm ready to chatter today because our guest uh, for the program today is John Michael Chambers, somebody who really keeps his finger on the pulse of what's going on. So we should have a wonderful show today. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I was just thinking I got a really nice phone call from Mike Adams last night. And he was saying he liked about me the very thing that I like about Mike. Uh, John Michael said he's always optimistic. He sort of looks at the at the, the glasses half full or three-fourths three full in your case. Welcome. Good to have you with us. Well, if you were going to talk in terms of glasses being full, then, John, I think that right now the American people must be getting the definite impression that that swamp analogy... That was not a joke. It looks like Washington is filled with these politicians who are building their little family dynasties by dipping into the purse of the American people and using the influence they have of their office to get nice jobs for their children and make a lot of money. Is this the way our government's supposed to operate? Well, you mentioned the swamp before, and I, that I have my finger on the pulse of the swamp, but it's a very slippery thing. My <laughs> finger's been sliding all over the place, these slimy creatures. You know, um, we are winning. Uh, and the fact of the matter is, um, yes, there's a lot of money going out to a lot of family members. I didn't say Joe Biden, did I? Um, <laughs> but uh, look, this, is, this isn't conspiratorial. The, the great uh, team that uh, Trump has assembled to represent we the people and the president uh, in the Senate uh, has disclosed that. Uh, that's on the record now, and that's exactly what we wanted, isn't it? So um, it's going well. Uh, it's infuriating and frustrating, of course, uh, but we know the end. Um, the president uh, will be uh, acquitted completely, uh, and this has been just a massive, massive disruption uh, and a cost to the American taxpayer. So a um, lot came out, though, against them. Because everything they accused President Trump of, uh, there are no facts. There are no fact witnesses. There's nothing in the record that causes uh, would bring cause to an impeachable offense. 
And ironically, everything they accused the president of, they are in fact guilty of, and now that is on the record in the Senate hearings. You know what I think is particularly striking and kind of pathetic is the big fuss they've tried to make over this John Bolton book, right? Now, we had a guest on uh, a little while ago, Fred Flights. Uh, he's a friend of Frank Gaffney's. He's over at the Center for Security Policy. And, and I write, wrote, read an excellent piece that, that he wrote the other day in which he was chastising Bolton. Uh, and then he worked for him, remember. He was Bolton's chief of staff when he was over there uh, as national security advisor. But Fred was taking him to task because, and this is a, in line with what I thought was the proper practice. If you're working for somebody like the President of the United States, they have to be able to have implicit confidence that the discussions they have with you, which often involve speculation and, and uh, dealing with hypothetical possibilities and things of this kind, those discussions are supposed to be kept in confidence. And they're not supposed to be kept in confidence just uh, at the time. They're supposed to be kept in confidence for as long as they may have an impact, this way or that, on the administration. That's a service that you owe to them, whether you're inside the government or out. But it's also, it seems to me, something you owe to the American people so that those deliberations can be done in a frank way that benefits the public by considering all possibilities rather than in a way that has to be all truncated by the thought that you can't trust anybody and therefore you can't have a full discussion. That's a good point. Uh, having made that point, which I believe shows that I think John Bolton was out of order in, in putting out this book and the timing of its release and so forth and so on. But on the other hand, I read the account of what's in it and there's no there there. It, has, that, that, it doesn't substantiate any charge against the president. Uh, if I were the president's lawyer, I would simply look people in the eye and say, what are you getting excited about? This does not in any way prove or relate to your point because you didn't have a point in the first place. Am I wrong? You're 100% accurate. And, uh, <clears throat> and I think people, some people see this and, so, and most people will become aware of this. A couple of quick points because you made an interesting uh, observation about what goes on, uh, you know, with the people surrounding the president, with security clearance and such. It, you know, this type of stuff. You're right. That information doesn't sunset. It needs, you know, stay stay confident. And the fact that they're they're breaching this this um, uh, practice as well reminds me of political correctness, where we the people are afraid to say what we're thinking, right? You know, um, and, and this sort of a thing, and prohibiting the exchange of ideas between human beings. Well, that's what's going to happen in the office of the president if they had their way. But John Bolton, look, I have no problem saying this. John Bolton, in my mind, uh, is, a, is a lifelong warmonger globalist. End of story. Uh, and, uh, and to add to his resume, he was, he was fired by President Trump. So it's no surprise to me that he's still in bed with the deep state. And the timing of the release of this manuscript, uh, the way it's been leaked, you know, if Bolton was on our side, he can just go to Fox News or IMTV or anywhere he chooses, because everybody wants to talk to him right now, and set the record straight. We're living in a time where we're, it's very clear to see who, which side of the fence people are on. Some people are coming over. They're waking up slowly. Okay, I get it. But Bolton, he ain't waking up at all. And so, <laughs> well, uh, but this is backfiring. The Bolton but, book backfired. That's my headline. But let's just look at it from a factual basis, though. Well, as I understand it, Here's this guy coming forward, and he's saying, well, the president said that he, was, he, he wanted to pressure the Ukraine uh, with military aid, to withhold the military aid and as a form of pressure against Ukraine. I'm sitting there reading that, and I'm saying, okay, so the president said that. In what context did the president say that? And for what purpose did the president say that? Because that's the important question. The notion that we don't use our agreements with other countries and the aid that we give other countries, particularly military support, but all support. I mean, that's why I think people have this wrong-headed understanding of what foreign aid is all about. Foreign aid isn't just something we do because we're nice guys who want to help people out. Hopefully it does help people out. But you have a serious political and policy purpose when you are administering foreign aid. To help those who are friendly and want to work with you, 
to do things that will achieve a rise in stature for them so that their people, beholden to those who are working with the United States, will help to strengthen our ability to work with that country on an amicable basis. That's the true point of using public monies for foreign assistance. Foreign assistance is not, and it isn't supposed to be, and it should never be regarded as charity that we're doing out of the goodness of our hearts just because we're nice people. You don't use public money. That's what is for private individuals to do, and many of them in America do it. But when you're spending taxpayer dollars, you better have a public purpose that serves the interest of the community and of the national interest of the American people. And what President Trump was thinking about obviously fell there. Why? Well, because, as I understand it, didn't we have an agreement with the Ukrainian government that we were working with them, and one of the conditions of that agreement was that they had to go after corruption (laughs) because the Ukraine had this incredible reputation of being among the most corrupt countries in terms of business dealings and money laundering and working for all kinds of things uh, like that. And, and we were supposed to, they, they promised that they were going to clean that up. Uh, and that is exactly what the president was talking about with Zelensky. He was talking about the fact somebody whose initials are Joe Biden had actually shut down an investigation into corruption. The president who did that was out of office. A new president came into office. President Trump's talking to the new guy. And he's looking at him and saying, well, you are going to pursue this investigation because really help us for you to pursue this investigation. Trying to get him to reaffirm their commitment to pursue the, invest- the investigation of corruption by their companies. Why would that be important to the American interest? You've got to be kidding me that people don't understand this. The number two most important person in the government of the United States says... That uh, and, and well, uh, let me put it later. He is involved in a situation where he shuts down an investigation into a company that his son is lobbying for, being paid, by the way. His, a firm that Hunter Biden's part of being paid to lobby in the interest of this company. Uh, big bucks, by the way, which, judging by his resume, a lot of people claim. I'm not necessarily one of them because I'm just telling you what's reported, but a lot of people claim that he doesn't have any qualifications to be involved with Burisma and energy company and lobbying for energy. And he was, what was he being paid for if not the use of his name and what was associated with his name that you could get Joe Biden, the vice president of the United States, to weigh in on your side of something and do something for you. Uh, And and by the way, what I was going to say a minute ago, Joe Biden said publicly just recently, that that looked bad. He admitted right out in front of everybody right now, recently, that looked bad. Am I the only person in the country that realizes that if it looked bad, that is, it had the appearance of being something wrong? Hello, y'all. The appearance of wrongdoing. That then warrants what? An investigation. And that's all the president was looking for. So I like to repeat it until the cows come home. There is not only not any charge here. The president was doing his job. And the question is, what was Joe Biden doing? See, that's the question that's on the table. And I think it's finally being put front and center because that's a question that I think Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats may have launched this whole mess. And part of their purpose might have been to distract from the fact that Joe Biden and Hunter Biden represent the tip of an iceberg. And when you start digging further into that iceberg, you may very well find Nancy Pelosi and and other people involved in that kind of shenanigans. Am I wrong about this? That's the impression I'm getting from all these reports I'm seeing. I think you've laid it down real well. The only thing I'd like to add, um, the one person who stated publicly on camera that uh, stated that uh, Hunter Biden did not necessarily have the qualifications was Hunter Biden. <laughs> so, I mean, yes. you know, it's unbelievable. <laughs> so you've got, you've got the Hunter Biden testimony, you know, unofficial. You've got 
Joe Biden, you know, uh, you know, New York thuggery style. Finally, you're not getting the six, the billion uh, six hours. You've overfired the guy. I mean, look, we have it all. And I want to go back. Um, first off, I give the president an A plus for what he did, as you stated, Doctor Keys. That's part of the president's responsibility is to is to look into this corruption and if, if, if warranted an investigation. Well, the president hired Rudy Giuliani as an attorney, not part of a uh, represent official White House representative. But look, Rudy, Rudy spent some time over there and has recently been activated. Rudy Giuliani, as I stated all along, has all the goods on Biden and Burisma. And this is now coming out. Money did not only go to the tune of almost a million dollars a year to Hunter in salary. Uh, money also went to Joe's brother, Sleepy Joe's brother, and, uh, and, I, and other family members. Uh, and this has been reported and, uh, by Rudy Giuliani's investigation. And so, um, look, Rudy, Rudy went to the Ukraine and he figuratively and literally dug up from the dirt a lot of dead bodies. And, uh, and he's going to be unpacking these now on his podcast uh, and through the news media because he's been activated. Everything is timing. On your very show, IMTV, many months ago, we talked about these sort of things, and now they are occurring. And it, they, they, Pelosi and such, they, they've lost. No matter where it goes in the remaining hours of this uh, Senate today and tomorrow, then uh, probably by Friday they make a vote and decision on, 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 on witnesses or not, it doesn't matter. I have my preference. Dismiss the thing because it's not worth the uh, taxpayers' time. But um, but but no matter well, how can, it plays out, talk about that they lose. Can we sure. talk about that for a minute? Because see, I, I, I and I want to say what I'm about to say, standing back from the whole question of President Trump, the you know, articles of impeachment, and so forth. Thinking only about what is. Um, in the best interest of the Constitution and people of the United States, which is the first oath all these people have sworn. Their first duty is to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution, which Constitution implements the sovereignty of the people of the United States. And so when I'm considering something like this, I'm saying to myself, well, what best serves the purposes of the people? And some people are out there saying shocking stuff that I think disserves the people. Alan Dershowitz, a very smart guy, and maybe what I'm about to say is something he didn't really say because I'm relying on a Newsmax story that kind of quoted him, or didn't, not in quotes, but was paraphrasing him. But they claim that he actually made this statement that the impeachment process is not about going after presidential abuses of power. And if he really said that, that's one of the most absurd things I've ever heard in my life. Okay? Of course it's about going after abuses of power. The whole point is to be able to make sure our president can't become somebody in office who takes the powers of the presidency, which, by the way, in terms of initiatives he could take, being the commander-in-chief, being the chief law enforcement officer, and so forth, he could, he could engage in a lot of abuses. He could start using his power to go out and arrest people who are getting in his way, the way the dictators in uh, Russia and in China have done wholesale. Uh, a matter of fact, it's what the communists and socialists that Bernie Sanders admire so much do every time they get power. They abuse it to go after innocent folks because they've expressed disagreement with their policies or are in an opposing party of this kind or another. No, that is the kind of abuse that impeachment and removal is supposed to allow the people of this country get up on their hind legs and demand that their representatives stop this individual who is abusing the power he's supposed to use in the defense of the Constitution and their sovereignty to oppress them and take away their rights. No, he, he's wrong. If, if Dershowitz did say that impeachment isn't about abuses of power, he's just dead wrong. The question in this case, however, is whether any such abuse took place. And, it, and the answer is quite simple. No, the president was seeing to it that the laws are faithfully executed in the presence of what Joe Biden himself admits to be the appearance of the kind of wrongdoing, the abuse of one's official position to put money in the pocket of oneself or one's family member. doesn't matter. That's an abuse of power, 
if I ever heard of one, and you're not supposed to do it, and if Joe Biden was doing it, that's not just any old crime. He's the second highest official in the U.S. government. And he's betrayed the people's trust if that appearance of wrongdoing is true. And the president was so right in going after that, I don't know where to begin. It was his duty. It was his job. It was his responsibility explicitly laid on his shoulders by the Constitution. And I don't understand how anybody could pretend that testimony from, from Bolton or anybody else comes in and says, well, you know, the president was uh, speculating. What, what could we do to get these folks to go after the corruption? And especially that corruption involving Joe Biden, because that deeply damages the Constitution, the U.S. government, the people of the United States to be betrayed in this important point by abusing their power to put money in your own pocket that's supposed to be used for the national security best interest of the United States. That's an incredible business that we're talking about here. And, and they're going after him because he was doing his job, meeting his responsibility? So why are they so afraid of Bolton's testimony? I, I, I would welcome it. Come on, just give them the good details, tell them all about it, because all you're proving is that President Trump does his job and he does it without regard for persons, without regard for policies, and, th and so forth. Am I wrong? Well, you're right. And Dr. Keyes, out of all the prominent figures and movers and shakers, if you want to call them that, or elected officials in Washington, D.C., that have a lot of good airtime, um, outside of Ted Cruz, and only as of yesterday, to the best of my knowledge, has uttered the words that you have just uttered. He's doing his job. <laughs> and... Uh, and so, uh, you know, people just need to know that and, and understand that. And I think uh, this is unfolding. But I want to comment on Dershowitz very quickly. I did not see uh, much of his talk. I, my schedule is pretty demanding these days. And, and furthermore, um, Newsmax could have been just speculation, an out-of-context statement, mm -hmm. um, because I, as I understand, Alan Dershowitz is, uh, in the main, has done some phenomenal work for the president on the floor. But I would agree with you if he did say that, it's off the mark. But I find that I, I, I may do some research on that. But I'll say this about Biden. <clears throat> Biden loses no matter how it plays out. Here's why. They fell right for the trap. They fell for the trap. Because here we are. We now have all the Biden things that we know to be fact. And a lot of it's on film. <laughs> uh, we have it. And it's now on record in the Senate hearings. What does this mean? It's preparing America, because you've got to get buy-in from the people. You've got to get awareness raised so it doesn't seem like, oh, my gosh, that can't be true. They're building it and building it. Now, if it, this is where they're caught between the proverbial rock and a hard place, because if they bring witnesses in, uh, well, you know, first off, it's going to be hard to run for office if you have to be in the Senate for the next three months, uh, number one. Number two, um, you have uh, everything comes out, Biden. Joe Biden, where's Hunter, as Tr President Trump calls him? You're going to have Shifty Schiff as a witness uh, and whistleblowers that don't really exist. So they lose. Now, if they don't play the Biden scene out in the Senate, Biden loses anyway because Rudy Giuliani wasn't paid all that money and all that time to come back with that suitcase of goods for no reason at all. The investigation of Biden through the Department of Justice, in my forecast and opinion, will take place later. So Biden's finished one way or the other. And that's mm. just the Burisma mess, which is a disaster. We know about other issues about Joe Biden that we'll save for another program. Well, I think when we come back, we can get into some of the further implications of the question of how this whole matter is presented when, as I think it needs to be, these articles of impeachment are rejected and it is made clear by a proper verdict from the Senate jury uh, that the president uh, is guilty of no wrongdoing. He's acquitted, as they say, because uh, I think that that's essential for the good health of the country, especially going into an election like this. Uh, but what I wonder, and uh, we'll be putting on the table for, for, for discussion, is how best to serve that end result. And, and so that what comes out of this doesn't just push the issue aside, but vindicates the president as he deserves. Because I think that's critically important for the health of the country, uh, as well as for his capacity to continue to do his job. We'll be right back after these messages. 
I'm Alan Keyes. I just want to let you know that on a recurring basis every Tuesday, we're going to have a guest, Mike Adams, the Health Ranger. He's going to be joining us to talk about the whole array of challenges, both in terms of our health as a people and as individuals, and our health as a nation. We'll be looking at those things through the eyes of someone who has thought deeply about many things and who has many great ideas to share with me and with you and with everyone who tunes in to Let's Talk America on Tuesdays when we meet with the Health Ranger to talk about how we sustain the health of our liberty. Welcome back. Now, here's a question for you, uh, John. The senators are not sitting when they do what they're doing right now. And everybody forgets this. They come into office and they take an oath of office, right? Uh, And that oath of office is to uphold the Constitution as all officials in the United States government and, and also in other governments, the state governments and local governments, you have officials that have to take this oath of office that upholds the Constitution. When they're sitting for their present purpose, however, the Constitution requires that they take a separate oath. Why does it do that? Do you know? That's a rhetorical question. I do not know the answer to that question, but uh, tell me about What sense would it make for them to take, instead of saying, why did they do that, as if it's a historical question, because it's not. From the point of view of common sense, why would it make sense for the senators to take a separate oath? And and I'm not playing games. if, If they take a separate oath, it means that there's an oath that is required for them to do the business they're doing in this context that is different from their overall oath, that is actually has a different burden. And you know what that burden is? That burden is the burden that falls on every juror in our country when they're sitting on a jury. They are supposed to sit impartially. That word impartial means not taking any part. See? Why do Americans forget this? And if you're not taking any part, you are not representing any party. Oh, Alan, is that right? Yes, that's what the oath says. Wow. Uh, the oath says that you should be impartial, not represent any particular party, but make your decision based on the law and the facts. That's what you're supposed to do. And, and it seems to me that comporting yourself in a way, I don't know of any jury that can enter the fray and be accepted on the jury if they're prejudiced against the prosecutor or prejudiced against the defense. That's not supposed to be your state of mind. Now, I don't know how possible this is, but it's not supposed to happen. They take that separate oath. Do you think that the present process in any way respects the requirements of impartiality? Great analysis and a big (laughs) smile on my face. You go back to Jerry Nadler during the Clinton days, uh, very emphatically in front of the camera, you know, uh, we, we must never have at all a, a partisan impeachment because it's detrimental to the future of the country and blah, blah, blah. And that's public record. Well, <laughs> you know, look what we have. Um, but you know what? Three or four of those folks uh, applied what you just stated, Dr. Keyes, and voted uh, against uh, the, uh, the impeachment in the House against the president. Right. And the congressman, as we stated last time, left the Republican. Uh, Democrat Party. Republican, by the way, President Trump in New Jersey, of all places, yesterday, there were 175,000 requests for tickets and a full stadium in New Jersey. Things are changing, but to stay on your point, your your analysis is brilliant there. And, you know, the first name that came to my mind, the first person I saw was Mittens. Mittens Mitt Romney. I mean, you know, talk about impartiality. This is insanity. And and you have a complete partisan... um, witch hunt and vote in the House, which goes against what Nadler professed, you know, 20 years ago. So it's a witch hunt. It comes to an end. We all know the outcome. But but um, let's hope we don't have remaining carnage for this president's future and the future of our country and other presidents to, to our very way of, of, of governing ourselves. 
See, I think it could have a damaging effect. I think some people intend it to have a damaging effect because if we get into a position where without regard for evidence or fact or any argument based in law, that's the other argument these people are trying to make, by the way. They are trying to make the argument that somehow or another this is not a legal process, it's a political process. And that's not true, y'all. Uh, they're, they're distorting, even lying about, something that Hamilton explicitly recognizes, for instance, in uh, the, uh, artic- uh, in the uh, Federalist Papers about why impeachment was given to the Senate to try and to the House to accuse. Rather than, by the way, they did consider giving it to the courts, to the Supreme Court, and having the Supreme Court be the court for impeachment. And the reason they rejected it is that the Supreme Court isn't grounded directly in a choice of the people. It's only indirectly that the justices represent the choice of the people. And yet, for a verdict about the chief executive to be accepted without leading possibly to civil war, uh, because that's the other thing we forget. Impeachment and removal from the chief executive position Before the Constitution of the United States was written, I don't think there was ever before a Constitution that was provided for achieving that purpose, getting the executive removed from office without war. The ordinary way to do that was to get on the battlefield and slug it out, because when you were no longer willing to accept the authority of the chief executive, you were going to have to duke it out sword to sword. Because that's who the chief executive is. The guy who represents the power of execution. The power to carry out the will uh, of the government. Uh, And we were going to do this, and we are supposed to do it, by a means that doesn't involve fighting. And it doesn't involve fighting because we have a form of government that represents the people and represents their justice and so forth and so on. And, And so they put together a process But it had to be a process that involved the representatives of the people so the verdict would have a base in the good common sense and judgment of the people because that's what our representatives are supposed to do for us. They're supposed to act for our good heart, act for our good judgment. And what they do is supposed to reflect that. And the Supreme Court is not supposed to reflect that necessarily. The Supreme Court is supposed to base its judgments strictly on the laws made pursuant to the Constitution of the United States. They are to, not to bring their feelings into it, not to bring their judgment into it. They're to go by the law and not depart from the law. Whereas, in judging impeachment, you have to make a decision that's going to be accepted because otherwise we'll have the war that impeachment and removal is supposed to uh, uh, avoid. With that in mind, you give it to a political body. But does that mean there's to be no due process? Does that mean that the understanding of fairness and justice that's enshrined in our Constitution doesn't apply? And my final question, if due process requirements that are in the Constitution, no person shall be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process. Now you slog awful hard, I can tell you. The work of running for President of the United States is hard work. You do it 24 hours a day. You do it to the point of being running yourself past exhaustion. You do it to the point where you're risking your reputation and your money and your friendships and everything else. You're investing a great deal in it. You work really hard. And most of the time when you work really hard for something and obtain it, we consider that you have properly acted and that that is what would correspond to something that for the moment and in the terms of the Constitution belongs to you. The office of President of the United States belongs to Donald Trump right now. And nobody else can claim to hold it or exercise it. It's his property. For the duration specified in the Constitution, he's the one you have to go to to get those executive decisions that are placed within the purview of the President of the United States. But tell me something. If we can have a process that actually removes the President of the United States from office without any regard for due process of law, what's happened to the rest of us?
They can remove the chief guy in the land without respect for due process, and we think we're going to have any rights left? This is insane. Of course they have to observe due process. Of course the House process was a travesty that did not observe due process, did not observe the rules of evidence, did not, in fact, bring forward any evidence that validly established the claim that he had done any wrong. And that in itself is a violation, not just of the president's rights, but given what's at stake, if you can, if you can take the Constitution and throw it to the curb and shred it into little pieces, when the president's involved, the rest of us had better tremble in our beds because we got no safety left. And that's what's at stake here. And I think the Senate needs to be acting in a way that shows that the Constitution does apply from the president on down. If he's guilty of something wrong, he's going to be treated as guilty according to the Constitution. If he's innocent, he's going to be acquitted according to the Constitution and laws of this country. Not throwing them aside for any partisan passion or purpose. And that's exactly what the Democrats have done. They have openly admitted that the only reason they brought this was not to do the country good, but to prevent the election and re-election of Donald Trump. That admission is enough to get it kicked to the curb. Because if they move forward with that purpose in mind, then they themselves have violated the oath that is required of senators. That the very action of impeachment itself was based on a partiality that took no account of the Constitution's requirements of due process. I'm sorry, it just makes me mad because this is a travesty and it hurts everybody and I haven't heard that said clearly enough yet. Has that been said clearly enough yet? It's been said today on IMTV <laughs> uh, for the world Amen. to hear and it'll be said in Sarasota, Florida on February 4th when you come down and wake up Florida. Let me make a few comments, Dr. Keyes. Um, thank God for our founding fathers' wisdom and brilliance uh, number one, uh, let, let us listen to the words of Benjamin Franklin. It's a republic if you can keep it. And let us bring us right now to the very points you just raised about the shenanigans, the hoax, the, the bypassing of due process and the shredding of the Constitution by these Democrats and a handful of rhinos. This is a, these are defining times. This case just needs to be dismissed out of the Senate according to that process. And, and at the end of the day, and again, I am the guy with the glass half full, the rule of law reset is being reestablished before our very eyes with President Trump and, and elements within his administration and the Department of Justice and others. And, and the narrative is going to change. The fight, the battles will still be there. They'll still be throwing you know, sticks in the spokes and so forth and so on. But they're losing and they're going to lose this one, too. And, and, and what's going to happen, this is the exposure phase. I look at the Senate hearings as exposure their crimes. And that's where we are. And what's happening next as 2020 proceeds and certainly after 2020 is justice because the rule of law reset is here. And, and, and this is going to bring a, a glorious time for, for, for you, for me and many Americans. And I'm not glossing over the challenges to get there uh, because that's the challenges of our time. And they're, they're rearing its ugly face right in our face. But um, that's the way it is. And the Democrats are exposing themselves and they're doing a good job at it, which is why their party is leaving them and why President Trump is uh, selling out arenas in New Jersey, of all places. And a congressman leaves the Democrat Party and becomes a Republican. Um, they're in serious trouble. And if we didn't have fake news as as a part, the mouthpiece for the deep state if, uh, you know, and the Democrats, if we didn't have element, um, the the world would, the America would be such a, a, a happy place right now. We have so much to celebrate with mm. what this president has accomplished in these three years. And it, the only one who utters it is Trump at the rally. So watch his rallies, folks, and you'll get the same adrenaline rush I have. We're going to kick this out of the Senate properly. It's over. And the president is going to get on with winning his election in a historical landslide. And the Democrats will continue to expose themselves. We will expose them. Those 142,000 sealed indictments are being unsealed. We've covered all the investigations with FISA, uh, Inspector General Report 1 and 2. 
it is happening, and Epstein and so forth and so on. So uh, they're in trouble, they know it, and that's why they're willing to risk it all, because they know they're finished. All right, um, I've been sitting here listening to this. You're absolutely right. Dr. Keyes is brilliant as always and very fiery. But I'm sitting here thinking that the Rothschilds and the guys, the big guys sitting there, they're going, well, as long as they keep debating how our little peon Democrats are showing their asses because they're ignorant, we got them, you know. Yeah, they'll win and Trump will get reelected. Big deal. We got them because eventually they'll go back to sleep. Mm. And what we've got to remember is that this nation was founded by people that honored and glorified the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we don't call ourselves and our people back to the deep truths of Scripture, to lives that are committed to Christ, committed to the Bible, the, the real anchor of the country, the real origins of our nation, we'll win the battle and we'll still lose the war. And that's, uh, as we... As we discuss the victory that we're fixed to enjoy, we need to remember that apart from that, our grandchildren will still be enslaved by these evil, demonic pieces of garbage that are today trying to destroy us. And we may, we may have a, a victory here, but in the long run, it's only God Almighty that can deliver us from the destruction that is still awaiting us. Praise the Lord. I think that if, and I think you're absolutely right, but when God hands you an opportunity, you've got to grasp it. Right. And what was running through my mind as you were speaking was that the model for certain aspects of the thinking that our founders did was that they went back, they looked at all the different times when there had been governments that had the participation of the people and so forth. The chief one they spent a lot of time reading about and looking at was the Roman Republic, right? There was a practice in the Roman Republic that's not quite the same as impeachment in terms of its general scope, but where you did have somebody who could bring accusations against those who were in power so that there were people who could, you know, actually bring things to the fore and have some responsibility required of those who might otherwise act as judges and dictators deciding things to carry out the law, right? But they could actually stop them. It's, uh, they were officially, at one point, called tribunes, I think, from which we get the word tribunal that describes what our judges do. And they could intervene. And they could spare an individual who was being accused so that they'd be given due process before the people, right, and have a proper judgment. But they could also make accusations. Here was the rub, though, as I recall, Montaigne or something mentions this, that when, if you were the one bringing the accusation and it turned out to be baseless, mm. then you had to suffer the penalty for the crime you accused the other person of. Oh, there you go. I, I, I read that and I said, well, that's... That's kind of, you know, it looks kind of fair, doesn't it? If you've, if you've made a frivolous charge that you uh, were doing just in order to harm somebody, uh, then the somebody who's going to be harmed is you. What does that suggest about what Americans should be doing as they sit there contemplating this egregious farce that has so, I think, thoroughly disregarded the fairness and justice that's plainly required by the Constitution, especially when you deal with the President of the United States, but also when you deal with anybody who is being brought before the American people or before the people of the state or the people of a city, you know, for justice. We all are supposed to get due process in the court that, that is the place where we will be judged. Well, that separate oath the senators take makes them a court of impeachment. And in that court, due process fairness as required by the Constitution is supposed to prevail. right? And, and the notion that it's not is a partisan, factional, egregiously harmful to America lie. So what should be done? Here's our suggestion. Oh, and right. y'all can say, Alan Keyes suggests that as a result of what has happened in this travesty of a process, 
everybody associated with putting us through this mess on the basis of charges that were without foundation. Ever. Where the president was just doing his job for the American people. Anybody responsible. We should all take it upon ourselves to do what we have the office to do. Our office is the office of voters. That's an office, by the way. Ophikis means duty. That's our duty. We have the duty to make that judgment about who should be sitting in the Congress of the United States. I think that we ought to, mindful of that tit-for-tat Roman law, which had a certain logic to it, I think, we ought to be saying, well, these guys were responsible for putting us through this charade, this sham, this scam, without respect for the Constitution. Uh, I think they ought to suffer the penalty they demanded. And the penalty they were demanding was that Donald Trump be removed from office. I think we ought to make it our mission to remove every single Democrat from office who made themselves party to this attack on the United States and on the sovereignty of our people. Does that sound like a good idea? I think that's a good idea. I don't think it goes far enough, to be honest. They've scammed us out of millions of dollars. For the office I'm talking about, it's the only choice you've got. You don't get to do anything else because we do other things through other mechanisms. What we have to do as voters and what we have the power to do is we have the power to kick every single one of them out on their ear. And we should make it our mission. I'm not saying, by the way, and neither does the Constitution, that after you've kicked them out, (laughs) you shouldn't examine thoroughly their crimes. But don't forget, assuming that the Senate does what it should do, Donald Trump will still be president after the smoke (laughs) clears. Assuming the people do what they should do, Donald Trump will still be president after the election. And I think it will be time to look at this record of corruption and implement the due process of law because after you've been removed from office under our Constitution, you can still be tried by regular courts for the crimes that you have committed. I think that's what they fear, isn't it, isn't it, John Michael? They're worried about that. Here's what's going to happen. We'll, we'll state it on record today. Here's what's going to happen. Um, both, both, both counts that Dr. Keyes covered, both are going to happen. What I mean by that is the Justice Department will deliver justice. Uh, that's one way uh, that we're going to remove them from office because they're going to be in prison. The, the, other, the other thing that's going to happen is we're going to remove them from office at the ballot box and we're going to take the House back in 2020. Of course, Trump gets reelected and we maintain the Senate. So Praise both Lord. of those things, a multi-pronged approach. Back to the Roman analogy, and, and I want to talk about God in a moment. Back to the Roman analogy, uh, you, know, you know, you posed the question before, well, what should we do? Uh, should we do kind of what the Romans did? Well, this is what we should do and this is what we're going to do. We're going to throw the book at them. That's what we're going to do. And they're not going to be paperback books. They're going to be really big, fat, thick, hardcover <laughs> books. And they're going to be flying across the library. There are going to be a lot of books flying. And, and that's what's going to happen. Mark my words. And I'll tell you something else. Uh, in terms of, um, uh, Bob, your comments before were spot on, um, you know, in terms of, of uh, you know, winning the battle but not winning the ultimate war and where we need to put our strength and faith in, which is God. And I will say this. We're fortunate and blessed. And it's because of the Creator that, to a large degree, probably the whole degree, um, and all of us that heard it and voted for Trump, that we have President Trump in office because this president has done more for religious freedom than any president in modern history. Amen. And as you well know, marched uh, for the Right to Life parade for the first time. Um, listen, the president, and he's not doing this just for politics. He's not doing this no. just for votes. I think we know our president by now. The man, the man does what he believes in. And it's all, and, 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 he, and he's, he's for us in, in this regard. And I think these are all very positive things because you know what? A lot of people that perhaps aren't as informed uh, as, as others may be, they're scared. 
They, 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 they're fearful. They've been battered down and hammered by the fake news apparatus mm. and by what Barack Obama and even Bush and Clinton did to this country. Mm. And we have to help them through this period of time. And that's, that's, that's kind of what we're doing by disclosing what we believe to be the truth, the, uh, stating facts where, where, where our facts are needed to, to back up our statements and providing intelligent, insightful and inspiring commentary and analysis to help people through this period of time. It's going to get worse. It's going to get worse, believe it or well, not. But, but I have yeah, to, you know, I, they're going down. I have to intervene here Amen. to say that you have helped us through this period of time because our time is up for the show today. But I hope, I, I can't even hope, I'm sure that between uh, John Michael's uh, description of what is going on and its implications uh, and the discussion that we've had about what these folks have really been up to in terms of our Constitution and our own sovereignty, uh, you've got a lot to think about, you being the folks who are watching the show. And I hope that you'll follow my advice, but this time I'm going a little further. It's not enough to think about what we've talked about today. You need to seriously consult with yourself and make a resolve that you are going to do what is required mm. to apply that principle of justice in our politics, which these folks have so egregiously abused. And justice requires that those who have been pointing the finger at others to distract from their own wrongdoing be called to book for that wrongdoing first at the ballot box and then in our proper courts of law. Amen. Uh, and if this happens, I think we will have done our duty, as the president was do doing his, uh, to assure that this country and its constitution and our sovereignty as a decent people of goodwill remain secure. So, ponder that and join us again here at Let's Talk America.